Hey, pals, welcome to Team Up Moves. I'm Fiona. And I'm Stephanie. And this is the podcast where we play superhero themed tabletop role playing games and then talk about them. And we are going to talk about a new one. We're starting our second run and we are playing Champions. 6th edition. Now, this is the latest version of a game that started back in 1981, originally written by George MacDonald and Steve Peterson. The 6th edition was put together by Aaron Alston and Stephen S. Long. This game has been around for a while, Steph. It has, and it's a pretty important part of the history of superhero RPGs and of RPGs in general. It pops up in 81 as the first widely distributed and widely played RPG to have a point buy system where you get a ton of points and you cash them in for powers and you can get some more if you give yourself some weaknesses. It is the first widely popular superhero role-playing game and it is such a big deal in the 80s that it has its own independent spin-off comics that are commercially published and commercially available using characters from Champions modules and it has stuck around. I think seminal is really the only word that can describe it. Our players have made heroes using math, using a budget of 400 character bucks to really craft precisely the superpowers they wanted to play with. And I think we should just let that happen. Let's go. Okay, let's get rolling with champions. Stephanie. Hi. You feeling this? You know... I have wanted to start the podcast and wanted to start the podcast, and I can feel the champion's energy slowly settling all over us, really. I don't, we'll, we'll get into We'll have a discussion episode where we talk about what that means. But we're playing with someone today. Uh, can you introduce our guest? We would like you to meet Ian Gregory. Hi, I'm Ian Gregory. Uh, I write with Stephanie on Marauders for Comics XF. I've also written for a bunch of other websites, Panel by Panel, uh, Fanbyte, a few others. But some some would say I was born to play champions, destined by fate to be a hardcore hero system player. Now, why is that? When I was 10, uh, my dad and his friend from college basically sat me and my older sister down and said, you're old enough for this now. And then they taught us to play hero <laughs> system and they taught us to make characters. And then I was hooked. I basically spent all my free time, elementary school, middle school, reading the fifth edition rule book, reading the supplemental materials, convincing my friends in the neighborhood to play hero system with me. I, I probably created three or four dozen characters in those years that never once reached a table just because I was so obsessed with Hero System. Oh, I love that. That's why I'm so excited to be playing with you. It's going to be great. Me too. Okay, me, so me we're going to start... We're we're gonna start this this scenario up and then I'm gonna give you an opportunity to kind of describe who you each are gonna be playing tonight. Our book opens and it's the city of New Arcadia. New Arcadia is not quite as big and action-packed as New York City or San Francisco, but perhaps owing to the fact that it was the site of the first supervillain disaster in the 13 colonies, it's got a little bit of a cachet, I think. So I think there's some sort of some supervillainy kind of passes through. People kind of like like to do it in New Arcadia. It, it's got that historical connection. 
But the two of you are on your communicators with Winter, and she is a dispatcher working tonight for the New Arcadia Superhero Dispatch Organization. And she's filling you in on the details as you're coming close to the aquarium. She, uh, I'm going to say, so she put all of her voice training into vocal fry. And so I can't quite go that hard on it, but just sort of imagine, imagine that in your heads. She's saying, and uh, just remember human slingshot. Uh, they picked you for this one for more of the stealth small side. Uh, this building did win a bunch of architectural awards. And there is, of course, the like billion gallon tank. So let's try to keep that intact when you're done. Uh, Anemone, I think there's a pretty good uh, reason you can guess why you're here. Right? So I guess a bit of a homecoming. I have so many memories of this aquarium. And... They're all good, but some of them are pretty traumatic, too. A lot of feelings. Okay, great. Well, hopefully no more trauma tonight, uh, but you do. It seems like some of the socialites at the gala, uh, there is a bit of a robbery going on, and cops are hoping it doesn't turn into a hostage situation. So if the two of you could kind of sort things out, uh, I heard that Johnny Three Guns is apparently on the scene, at least one hench. But let me tell you, dude doesn't tend to work alone, so be on the lookout for someone else at this party so slingshot should we meet up and figure out how to go in together yeah let's let's meet up a safe distance from the aquarium i'm gonna need some run-up room to get started how about behind the food truck a block away oh yeah okay it's too expensive for the human slingshot but he appreciates what they're doing for the community i'll 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 buy a sandwich so slingshot you get there first what do we see uh all right i imagine that uh, we're, you know, half a block away from the aquarium. Food truck still doing steady business. Maybe the the uh, New Arcadians are. They're, they're old hat at superhero stuff, so there's minimal gawking at someone clearly in a, I'm in a, you know, a tight golden black spandex costume with a helmet. This is, this is, this is business as usual for them. I think that's definitely accurate. There's a line there, but people are, are way more into uh, the artisan falafel than another superhero thing. Anemone, you come in on this scene. What do we see from you? Anemone was made into who she is by an accident involving quite a lot of uh, aquarium invertebrates, and in particular, as you might guess, anemones. She is uh, about five foot four and kind of chunky and has a purple dress with blue leggings and purple boots and purple long gloves. And that's pretty important because if she touches people, there are neurotoxins involved. She's got some anemone powers there, but her most striking aspect is not part of her costume. It is her skin, which is orange and pink and blue and green and full of shifting colors. And she has short tentacles that are also those colors instead of normal hair. And she's also usually got at least five or six arms, one of which is a tentacle. Is uh, is another one holding a falafel? <laughs> Not yet, because Anemone really, you know, wants to wants to protect the city and wants to make her best friend D proud of her. So Anemone rushed over to find the human slingshot before ordering any falafel. But when when she sees Slingshot there, she's gonna ask him if he's hungry as well as what he knows about the situation. You know, I, I wouldn't say no to food, but I, I found that it, you know, eating before uh, using my powers can result in some some unfortunate side effects. So I'll have to pass for now. Ooh, 
I have found the reverse. Uh, my my powers use a lot of energy, and uh, as someone who's part of Nemony, I am constantly eating small fish. So I am going to get a fish sandwich and look at the aquarium, and I think we need to plan our approach. I believe that they think there might be a hostage situation, so we don't want to just crash in, right? So winter winter comes uh, over the comms and uh, she says, not a situation yet. I think this is a more pass the bag. Everyone put your jewels inside and no one gets hurt. Front door might be watched, but uh, if you do need to get in through the sea otter exhibit around the back, uh, that should probably be open. I was thinking I just... I would swim in through the sea otter exhibit and uh, Slingshot can shrink down and get in that way. And so we'll both be able to show up unseen. And maybe if we have a a queue, as long as our comms are working inside the building and, you know, I've got comms that work underwater, we should be able to coordinate and show up at the party room at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I can I can also go in ahead sort of under cover of height and report in on their locations and you maybe maybe tell you where you can pop in from to take them by surprise. That is a very good idea because there are so many tanks in there. I'd hate to pop up on the third floor among the penguins uh, when they're all being fleeced of their jewels and valuables down where the angelfish are. And if there's any regular thugs we can take care of them in there, but uh, any super fight would be best for me to take it outside. I would I would agree. I'm trying to minimize the property damage this month. Understandable. Yeah, our insurance uh, thanks you for that. <laughs> All right, so what's what's your what's your approach here? So I I guess like from the outside, are we sort of close to the ballroom where they're being held? Or are they in front of one of the tanks? Given sort of what you know of the aquarium, it's it's a fairly tall building and has this famous circular tank kind of in the middle of it. And there's like an elevator that goes up, you know, sort of in the middle of that. And there is a posh kind of reception area at the very top of the tank. So if there's glamour going on tonight, it's probably up on the top floor. Hmm. But all around the tank is a walkway and there's other exhibits. Uh, There are some stairs to the side. That's kind of from your field trip type experience, what you would know of the aquarium. Are there any exterior windows sort of to this glamour zone? Uh, Yeah, I would I would say absolutely a good I would say 10 stories up. 10 stories. Ooh. This is a very tall aquarium. It is. They had a grant. They had a grant. <laughs> Let me see. I can leap. I can only leap eight meters upward, which is about three stories. So I can throw you. That would help. I'm not sure I can throw you that far, though. I, I, I well, when I'm shrunk, I weigh about 0.018 kilograms. So I, I imagine that any amount of like any amount of superhuman strength could get me pretty high up there. The problem is controlling my my path in the air. Yeah, Anemone, what's your strength? Uh, my strength is 20. All right. Well, we have a table for that in Hero System. Uh, we can look up and see what, what a strength of 20 would mean as far as what you can what you can lift and what you can do. Okay. Are you looking it up or? I'm looking it up. You can lift a grizzly bear, girl. That's how strong you are. That's That doesn't surprise me. The question is not how how heavy an object I can lift, but how far I can throw a light one. Well, you can throw something 32 meters is where we are kind of on the column. So I think that <laughs> is going to be enough. Okay. So, <laughs> sorry. Strength determines flat throw distance regardless of what's being thrown? According to this table, yes. <laughs> I've I've completely misunderstood what it takes to be a to be a 
Olympic javelin toss. <laughs> I will note that this is a running throw. And according to the hero system, a standing throw is going to be half this distance and a prone throw is a quarter of this distance. Why don't we get up on the roof of a nearby building and I can running throw you from that? I believe there is a luxury hotel that we can just go into that is across from the new Arcadia Aquarium. Shall we? That sounds good. I can also, maybe I should explain how the human slingshot works because things may get hectic later and we may not have time. Derek Robel looks like any one of a million other people you might found, find in Northeast Pennsylvania, but uh, he, he in fact possesses an incredible power injected with kojamin molecules. Derek Robel can grow to be, let me, let me get my exact meters here. This is very important. I can grow to be about four stories tall. And I can grow to be about four inches tall. However, in the process, Derek is imbued with an incredible amount of momentum that uncontrollably propels him forward whenever he changes size, like a bullet from a gun or like a boulder from a slingshot. So given given a clear line of sight, I may be able to just shoot myself straight across the street into the window. That sounds good. I do want to just establish the windows are closed. Well, sure. Um, <laughs> but hey, you know what? That that doesn't have to matter, but I just want to make sure that that's kind of uh, in your mind. I was thinking that, you know, a four inch tall, lightweight person wouldn't make too much noise. It wouldn't shatter an entire window with so much as, well, who am I to say? I don't really know much about window physics, but I imagine I would just shoot right through it like a, like a little bullet hole. Okay. Well, let's see. So I think we have the, just like a couple elevator panels of the two of you just kind of waiting to get to the top of the luxury hotel next door. And you come out on the roof. And so you're, I don't know, 60 meters. Is that a good enough distance? How far buildings are apart sure. from each other? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's it's not, you're not like right on top of it, but there's, you know, a, a street and, and maybe a bit of a plaza kind of setback on either side, but it's not too far. Okay. Slingshot, are you ready? I think I'm ready as I'll ever be. Okay. So I'm going to go in, communicate with you, and you're going to go around back to the sea otter exhibit. Is this, this is our plan? That's right. And I am going to swim up to the top around the circular tank and show up and do whatever needs to be done and come out of nowhere to capture anyone who still needs capturing. All right, you're getting way ahead of yourselves. <laughs> I have a way of doing that. Let's see if you can throw this small gentleman through a window. Okay. Uh, I am... So we, we just we, we just heard actually about the human slingshots, you know, the, the momentum. Yeah. So are you going to try to just momentum this yourself or do you need an enemy to give you a toss? Hmm. I'm, all right. You said it's how many meters apart? Um, just just 40 work. <laughs> 40, 40. Okay. 40 is a little far for me. Okay. Um, well, it's how far, let's see, how far apart are buildings? How, how much do you want this to be? Great question. Give me a number. Where, I don't know. Where I'm from, the buildings are literally next to each other. Okay, fair. <laughs> here, here in Chicago, they don't believe in space between buildings. I mean, that sounds fair. So I think I should get thrown. Okay. And then maybe more of a lob and I'll come down on it. Are you going for the other roof or are you going for a window? Let's go for the roof. That'll be a bigger target. And actually, you can throw a grizzly bear. You can throw me in my fully formed humans, normal human size. And then I will shrink midair and use that momentum to sort of correct for any angular mishaps we may have made. Oh, I love that. Okay. That's that's what I was expecting since... You, if you were to shrink down before I threw you, you would have to go up into the air and then back down or something. You'd have to catch me like a fly ball. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So let's do that. I'm going to throw a human-sized human slingshot towards the aquarium, and a much smaller human slingshot is going to show up on the roof and get back down there and report back to me. And I will wait right here on the roof of the Merrill Hotel until you tell me where to go. I think the challenge here is not the strength. Again, if you can lift a grizzly bear, you can lift a man. The real question is your aim. So I am going to need you to make a dex roll on this anemone. And so way, the way that rolls in champions works is that your each of the things you can roll against has a target number and you need to roll 3d6 below that number. So you want to roll low. Ties are okay. Ties go to you. But if you roll all ones, that succeeds. If you roll all sixes, that's an automatic failure, no matter what the numbers are. And before I do any rolling, uh, my understanding is that there are things called heroic action points that you toss at us before the adventure begins. Are we using those today? You know, yeah, let's let's do that. That's a that's a, a good reminder. Thank you. Y'all get some haps. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe you roll 2d6 for each player to see how many haps they get. So I'll roll for mine. All right. Yeah. So roll, roll your 2d6. Get those. OK. Get those haps. Uh, you may need them. Oh, yeah. I've got seven heroic action points. And I've got nine. All right. Okay. I am going to roll to see whether I can throw you at the roof or whether you land someplace else. That is an 11. And it looks to me like I needed a 12 or under. Okay. So I I think that's... Uh, that's a success. Anemone, you, how many arms do you use for this operation? I'm going to use three of my arms. Okay. So we get that panel of you just tossing with, with three arms, human slingshot. You are on target to land on the roof of the aquarium. Do you going to do anything midair? Yeah. The, the, the human slingshot sort of folds into a natural cannonball. And then, you know, like doing a little front flip, writing myself, assessing the landing point. And I'm determining exactly when and at what angle I will need to shrink and sort of blast myself forward. Let's see. Do we need to uh, do you need to take a roll or anything for you to shrink down? Or you're just going to kind of do this. Shrinking is a roll. I may need to make a dex check to land the leap on the target point. And if I fail the dex check, I I, I may end up elsewhere <laughs> unplanned. OK, let's do that dex check then. Let me double check leaping. So I got a 15. My dex is 20, which means I need a 13 to make this landing. Uh-oh. How convenient that you've just distributed our heroic action points to us. You're going to you're going to burn them already on this landing? Yeah, I'm going to I I'm going to spend two because the way I see it is this would be truly embarrassing, very unheroic if the human slingshot's first action resulted in total catastrophe. And if I end up in a situation an enemy is like 20 stories up in a nearby building, and it'll take a while to get back up here. Okay. 10. 10 stories. 10 stories. Yeah, but that was a slow elevator. Yeah, yeah. Stopping, letting tourists off, getting on. <laughs> All right, so I spend two heroic action points okay. to adjust my roll from a 15 to a 13, resulting in a success. And I am down to a total of seven. Very egalitarian. Now we both have seven heroic action points. Yeah. Okay, that tracks. Now, how tall are you right now? I am four inches tall. Okay. Or to put it in terms that the hero system understands, I am currently 0.1094 meters tall. <laughs> Additionally, I weigh 0. 0.0188 kilograms. I don't know how many that is, but it's a lot less than a bear. Yeah, I can tell you. Yes. <laughs> okay. So uh, still, you are on a roof. And as far as you can tell, looking around, there are no crimes 
on the roof. How do you want to get inside? Or are we waiting for anemone? Uh, I will. I will signal on the communicator. Surely adjusted to work at even tiny sizes that I have successfully landed on the roof uh, without mishap. And then I'm going to look for, oh boy, I'm going to look for a ventilation shaft of some kind. Yes. We're playing a game based on comic books. And so there's <laughs> absolutely a ventilation shaft nearby. Uh, but it does have those like, it, it is kind of rotating. Foom, foom, foom. Mm-hmm. So you're scoping that out. Anemone, what's your next move? My next move is I am going to tell Slingshot that I'm going to come into the tank. I can breathe underwater. I believe I can breathe underwater all day. I'm going to check that I bought that as taking no endurance. I'm just going to hang out in the tank so that I can get where I'm needed. Like like a swan dive off the... Off the roof or elevator back down? Uh, No, I don't think the physics will allow me to do that. Certainly not without being noticed. I'm going to take the stairs back down because I don't want to wait for that elevator. And then I'm going to dive into the body of water that is adjacent to the aquarium and go in through the sea otter exhibit. Yeah, now it's it's a real nice sea otter exhibit and it's we're we're in the evening you know it's it's sort of gala hour so a lot of the sea otters are sort of just chilling relaxing uh snuggling with each other in the adorable way that they do yeah so you're kind of chilling in the tank waiting to hear from slingshot what's going on upstairs hmm well this is this is really just a matter of timing right i think so yeah so i think i think assuming it's not so fast that it's simply impossible I think I'm gonna have to give myself some space and go for a running jump. Okay. Yeah. Let's. Um. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say this is this is dexterity to kind of time this right. I think. Can I? Well, can I use my acrobatic skill for this? Oh my goodness, that is perfect. You should absolutely use your acrobatic skill. I maybe should have used that earlier. I kind of forgot that skills exist in this game. Everything exists in this game. I have many ranks. I have three ranks in acrobatics, which means that I have to roll a 15 or lower. All right, you got this. Yes, I rolled a 10, so. All, all of that training after I got my powers that forced me to catapult all over the place has finally paid off. And I, I slipped through these these fans of presumably very dangerous of HVAC systems. Exactly. I think some of the HVAC installers and the villain lair trap installers, it's, it's kind of the same parent company. They have to share a lot of parts. <laughs> it's just better for the supply chain. So... Some of these things are a little more deadly than maybe they would they would need to be in, say, Des Moines. You get into the HVAC system, and it's I think pretty pretty straightforward to follow the sound of light commotion and hushed voices, and you can peer out from a vent in the ceiling into the ballroom area that's kind of at the top of this tank. Uh, you, you actually see like the tank surface is, you know, there's there's maybe like six foot glass kind of around that. And then there's a bunch of tables and you see what's going down. There is, in fact, a villain. And he, as Winter told you, is known as Johnny Three Guns. He's got kind of... Um, a half sort of armored suit that leaves one of his arms bare. He's holding a kind of alien tech looking gun that periodically you sort of see crackles of electricity kind of go uh, in a chamber. He's got a big repeating, like almost looks like a, like a portable Gatling gun strapped across his back. And you see, can see from, from where you are at least one kind of generic hench person 
uh, watching the 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 stair, this is over the ramp that comes up to this area. And Johnny Three Guns is going around again with a sack, threatening the socialites for all of their jewels and fancy smartphones and crypto wallets or what what have you. It's put in the sack. He's doing a robbery, and that's illegal. All right, <laughs> like. <laughs> I was about to say super, kind of, mostly illegal, yes. Now, are there any exposed tanks or services where an enemy could surface? You know, like those running river sort of exhibits or... So at the top of this, it's there is a, a a central, you know, again, there's the central tank. There's like the real centerpiece of this aquarium. And at this level, the top of that is open. It goes most of the way around. There is an elevator. So there's sort of the elevator door is a part of it. But there certainly is the top of the tank. So if she swam up the middle, she could kind of surface there. There's like a sea turtle that's kind of just chilling. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, I'm going to relay what I can see back to an enemy and say, I think I think if we can get someone by that opening, you can drag them underwater with you. You know, fight them on your home turf. I mean, or just incapacitate them. I'm not really into drowning people. Well, uh, I just mean, you know. Sure. Okay, you know, I, I don't mean drown anyone. There's no need to jump to no, <laughs> such no. violence here. No, but. no, no. <laughs> uh, I think what you're saying is uh, I should go in and I should come up and I should come out of the tank at the top and take him. You know, give him a little jump scare. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like the person I should be jump scaring is Johnny himself. Is that right? He certainly appears most most threatening and also most equipped. Okay, and I can zap him from the tank or I can try to drag him into the tank. And it sounds like I should be dragging him into the tank. I am a little worried, that said, about his electric gun and what effect it may have on the wildlife in the uh, tanks. This is a good point. I think we want to minimize uh, dead animals as a side effect of this mission. Oh, I always want to minimize dead animals unless they're attacking me. Why don't I use my electric powers then? Okay. Is his, is his gun part of his arm or is it like a thing that he's holding? No, he's holding it. Oh. So Anemone, then yeah. you, you know, swim sort of from, from the otter exhibit. There's a place where you can get through into the main tank. Mm-hmm. And... You go up and it's it's like, again, they really went all out in this aquarium and you're kind of going through and there's there's tropical fish and anemones and some eels. Oh, there's actually a shark going around. I've spent so much time here. Uh, so you're swimming up through all of this. I love it wildlife. here. I'm swimming up through it. And I've also got a couple of different sensory powers that will let me find out if anything is awry. I have I have a power called Ocean Eyes which allows me to use combat sense to see whether there's anything going on around me that is unusual or dangerous, even in dim light. And I've got separate spatial awareness. So I'm just going to be aware of my surroundings as I go up. And as I pass anyone who's especially perceptive or smart, for example, if there are any skates, rays, or sharks in there, I assume that they're not dumb enough to have dolphins in this aquarium. But Animals that have, you know, more of a nervous system, I am going to just ask them if they've seen anything that looks dangerous or bad. Yeah, so there, there, is, there is a shark there. How do you open this conversation? Dude, haven't seen you in a week or two. Uh, how's, how's aquarium life? Are they feeding you enough? It's tasty. Oh, now how, how would the shark know you? Would that be as... I'm there. I, I've, I used to work there. 
I'm saying like name wise. Oh, you know. as uh, as Alice. Okay, so it's like uh, so, so, um, oh, Alice. Um, yeah, it's um, no th- things are great here. Can't can't complain. Can't complain. Um, real weird feeling to just see all this food around me, but just you know, I'm full enough. I can just I can just let it ride. You know, yes. just sort of watch the colors. It's so pretty in here. I know. Right. Um, so there's some humans up. Up, up at the top who shouldn't be there who are doing some stuff that's bad for everyone and my friend and I are going to stop them. I'm just checking. Have you seen any humans doing anything they shouldn't do or anything underwater that's uh, that shouldn't be here? Oh, in the tank? Yeah. Nah, there's no one in the tank. Okay. No, 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 uh, no human, human folks saving yourself. Of course, Alice. Okay. I mean, I guess I'm human. It's complicated. Okay. Uh, stay awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll catch you on the way back down. Yeah, 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 yeah. You too. Stay awesome. Okay. Keep on swimming. Um, so I'm going to keep on going up and I am also, uh, I don't know if I need to roll for this, but I'm using my various extended senses to see whether there's anything in the aquatic environment that I should be aware of or looking out for. So, uh, certainly in this tank, no, nothing, uh, nothing sinister in the tank. Okay. Uh, then I am going to pop up at the very top level and I am going to, if I can locate Johnny three gun. Well, I'm going to ask how far away from the water he is, and I'm going to try to see this while keeping my uh, head and tentacles just barely above water so I can see him before he sees me. Yeah, so he is not particularly close, though he is kind of walking around. So if you want to stay hidden while you're maybe awaiting the right moment for him to maybe get in range, that's going to need to be a roll. But I, I do understand you've got some amount of camouflage. Is that right? Uh, I not only have camouflage, I have uh, I can stretch my limbs five extra meters. Is that enough to grab his guns? That's actually really far, isn't it? Yes, it is. That is a cheap power in Champions. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, so actually, uh, yeah, 25 meters. No, uh, five five meters, not 25. Sorry, five meters, and then I'm calculating. Um, yeah, so in fact, hang on, I wrote this down, aquarium. Uh, so I would say, five, yeah, five meters is is a is a pretty good distance. He will get in that range without you needing to like you know lure him to the side of the tank, or whatever. You just need to kind of time it right. So I do want to make sure that you can stay hidden while you're doing that. Okay. Well, I should. I find it pretty easy to stay hidden underwater. Is that a roll? Uh, yeah. What is your What is your camouflage power? My camouflage power is I've got a, a I've got stealth, and I think that is it. Uh, my shifting colors permit me to use stealth, and that is a, a 12, 12 or less roll. Okay. Well, given that you do have those those colors, I can uh, I can give you a little bit of a boost on this, and um, we're going to make this easier. So normally your stealth you say is twelve. Yeah. For this role, you just got to get below fourteen to make okay. this work. I'm when I'm not concentrating on hiding, I am very very visible. At least when I'm not underwater, but uh, when I am working on it, I can change my skin colors to blend in with things and that is a 15 that's not what i wanted you said below a 14 i did yeah i'm gonna use one hero point okay it is a one shot so i'm gonna stay not seen uh right on the surface of the water until uh this gentleman who has uh, apparently three more firearms that he should have comes within five meters of me and uh, then I'm going to try to grab the weapons out of his hands. So as you're kind of waiting for this timing, Human Slingshot, what are you doing? 
All right, I'm going to attempt to get on the floor and get get next to one of the hench folk who who uh, who I who don't seem like they're going who seem like they might be in the position to cause the biggest problems once once Johnny Three Guns gets grabbed. Okay, uh, on this floor there is one hench, uh, kind of by the 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 pedestrian access up to um, up to the ball, up to the ballroom. So yeah, are you gonna sort of jump down your again? Four inches tall. Going to sneak over there. Yeah, I'm going to sneak up to. I'm going to sneak up to him and then get ready to make a make a surprise attack on an enemy signal. Just like two to once. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you do a stealth roll on this one? All right. And uh, do you get any bonus automatically because of your size? <laughs> do I? Do you? <laughs> At this size, the 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 uh, size template gives me a plus eight to my stealth. Oh my god! Already at thirteen. So I believe I need to roll. Anything other than three sixes. Okay. And I will be, I will be stealthed. Okay. Stealthed. How do you spell that? Stealthed. Stealthed. Okay. I got a 10. You know, I think we, we have this scene set here. You small next to a hench person biding your time. Anemone, you know, uh, shifting colors looking like the top of this water tank. Your toe is being gently nuzzled by a sea turtle who's wondering when you're going to, you know, chat with her but uh it's all business for anemone right now as you're waiting for johnny three guns i have to used get closer. my knowledge of sea turtle body language to indicate that it's all good and <laughs> we're gonna chat later <laughs> okay all right good excellent okay yeah, that guy's like that guy's like 70 or 80 that sea turtle like he's seen some things yeah dev, absolutely used to be a pirate yeah, of course got an eye patch Okay, the time is nigh. Uh, coming around, Johnny Three Guns is within that magic five meters of your extended arms. So we are going to kick it into combat. Yes. <laughs> Okay, now the way that combat works in Champions is that it's going to be a series of turns, and each turn is divided into 12 one-second segments. Now, the segments that players and characters act on is going to be based on the speed of the character. So a faster character is going to be acting during more segments. Within a segment, the characters are sorted highest dexterity to lowest dexterity. Now, one other thing that we're going to start doing at this point is tracking your endurance. So using those powers, moving around the room, that sort of thing is going to cost endurance and you're going to need to keep track of that. But you will get a chance every 12 segments to recover a little bit of that back. So that's part of the balancing mechanism here in Champions. It's not like like otherwise you just want to act on every segment and be as fast as possible. But if you are acting on every segment, you're going to be burning through your endurance very quickly. So everyone is acting somewhere between three and six or so of these segments. And we actually start combat out, oddly enough, on segment 12, which is the segment where almost everyone is going to get to act, where they all line up. Then we'll get a break to restore some endurance, and then we'll start again on segment one and go through things. So I've got a chart up here uh, (laughs) because that's the only way we can keep track of that. And in order of dexterity... There is a mystery individual who has the highest dexterity, and they're not going to go. They're, in fact, going to sort of hold their action, and that can come up later. Human Slingshot, you are going to be next in the order. 
So if you want to go now, you can. You could also hold your action until an enemy acts. She's going to go next. So it's kind of six of one, half dozen of the other. Okay. I'm going to go now, and I'm going to take the takedown action. Takedown is a physical attack. It does, based on my strength, it will do 3d6 damage. It has the secondary effect of making the target fall. Now, I'm very excited to do our first combat roll here because there's so much at play. Yeah. I have a base OCV, offensive combat value of 10. I have a skill that will grant me plus one. And additionally, I am attacking from surprise. So that will grant me an additional plus one to my OCV uh, as a side effect of my minimized power. So... Okay, interesting. Now, th- is that on top of because the character you're attacking is surprised, they're going to have a half defensive value, I believe. So I'll, let me see here. My, so my character attached to my minimized power is uh, essentially an, invis- is an invisibility power. Okay. And in the rules, it says attacking from invisibility. At the GM's option, invisible characters may get surprise bonuses when they attack uh, limited to plus one OCV. I, I did not know that there was also the one half DCV when being attacked from surprise. So I believe it is completely up to the GM to decide how these all interact. Okay. So what I'm going to, what I'm going to say on this one is you're going to get the half DCV bon- bonus. And for those of you who have not read the rule book eight times, DCV, DCV is defensive combat value. This is this is the armor class, right? This is sort of the target that you need to actually land the hit. I'm going to give you that half just right now because we are sort of surprise entering combat entirely. You'll get that other bonus if you're sort of shrinking out of sight later on Mm -hmm. because you will get a little bit of an element of a surprise, but it's going to be against targets who sort of already know that there's a threat around. Does that work? That makes sense. Okay. Well, so this hench has a DCV of four, which we are going to have down to a two. So, Ian, can you explain the math that's going to go into the following roll to see if you hit this gentleman? All right. Now, in one moment, I'm about to roll 3d6, after which I will add 11 to my OCV and subtract the roll from that total. So my OCV is a functional 11. It's 10 plus the one from my skill. So I will add, so I will take that, add 11, 22, and then I will subtract whatever I roll. If that, if the target's DCV is higher than the number that results from that mathematical operation, I miss. Right. If it is equal to or lower, I succeed. Yes. So given that it is a two, I think that it is going to be very hard to miss. But if you do get those three sixes. So I rolled a 12. So we subtract 12 from my 22 combined 11 plus OCV for a 10. So I would hit anything with a DCV of 10 or lower, which means I think I've beaten this two. I think the real question is, do you have a catchphrase as you're as you're doing this? Yeah, I'm I'm essentially going to tr- trying to take him down, right? Knock him prone. So as as I reach grab his ankle and basically yank back with a great deal of force. Oh, what would be funniest? Watch the ledge, watch your feet, watch your step. That's what I said. Nice one. Watch your step. And then I with my my incredible strength despite my size, pull this guy so he lands on his face and he takes from this 3d6 damage. All right. So I think as as you sort of shout out that uh, watch your step, uh, you know, Winter, who's listening over the comms, she she knows this. And uh, you, you get kind of like a chuckle from her like, ah, yeah, let's go for it. 
All right. So now for damage, which is also its own procedure. It is. So a I thing. roll three d six based purely upon my base strength of fifteen. Uh, this also this maneuver cost me one endurance. Okay. I get a ten total, a four, a three, and a three, which results in ten stun damage. And three body. However, all of that is reduced by the PD or physical defense of the target. Yeah. So I'm looking at at my character sheet here for uh, for the hench, and uh, they have kind of enough body armor and stuff. They have a physical defense of twelve. Ooh. So this actually is not going to not going to do any stun damage to them. All right. So they are uninjured but prone, which must be very embarrassing for them. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it, it's, I think to other people, it just sort of looks like they tripped. And I think probably Johnny Three Guns laughs and is just <laughs> like, uh, you know, geez, Larry, did you have a drink before you came over here? What's going on? And let's um, be clear, at, at four inches tall, basically the only people hearing me quip are myself, Winter, and an enemy. <laughs> I, I'm doing that for the love of the game, not because I think it'll make this guy upset. Oh, you're making it, you're... <laughs> Everyone knew you had such good promise as a hero, and you are coming through and fulfilling their hopes. So the hench is prone. I'm going to note that down. But this is timed for Anemone. You uh, are going after the big guy. How is this working? I am. Okay. So as you may remember, I have five regular arms and a tentacle. And they're neurotoxic if I'm not wearing gloves. So in preparation for this, I have taken gloves off two of my hands and put them in you know, my purse because I have a purse that's part of my costume. Why would you not? So I am going to grab his guns and he's got three guns, but uh, he has two guns that you can see. Oh, well, I am going to grab. Why is he called Johnny Three Guns if he's got two guns? It makes no sense. Anyway, I'm going to grab. Do you say that out loud? No, I do not say that out loud. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I, you, you have someone at dispatch. Like, yeah. I mean, Winter's got okay. like dossiers. I'm gonna, and so I'm you gonna, can check I, in with I, her if you If want, I've been yeah. waiting and watching, I'm going to ask Winter where his third gun is before I do this. I have done that before combat began. Does Winter say anything? What, where's where's gun number three for this dude? Yeah, uh, she says, um, yeah, actually, you know, I don't. Uh, I don't have anything in his file about that, so either no one's seen it or lived to tell about it, or um, maybe it's the injuries you sustain along the way. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> maybe they're his very powerful arms because he works out a lot and they're his guns. Anyway, I am going to... That would be four, though, wouldn't it? Oh, maybe he only works out on one side of his body. Okay. I mean, villains are weird. I am going to grab both of his guns... And can I grab both of his guns with two of my arms while grabbing him with a third and touching him? So, yes, actually, you are allowed to combine your attacks in this game <laughs> and take them all on the same phase if it makes sense. Now, because you have a whole bunch of limbs, yeah. you can attempt disarms against those the visible guns and you can try a grab against Johnny himself. Yeah. I am going to uh, try to, it's so weird that disarm and grab are different when I'm trying to literally grab his guns, but that's the hero system for you. I would like to use, reach out with, while popping out of the tank and reacting to his uh, laughing comment at his hench, I'm going to say, guns are no fun, I'll take those. 
grab two of his guns with two of my hands and his free arm or his is he wearing long sleeves or short sleeves or uh is one of each actually he's kind of armored on one side and the other side is bare okay uh i'm gonna grab him on the bare skin side with my bare skin which is going to be neurotoxic to him unless he's got some defense against that and, and do some damage if i if i get that So let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. So we're going to be doing uh, strength to strength contests for those those first two disarms. Okay. Let me just look up exactly the procedure of this. (laughs) So a disarm is half a phase. It is minus two OCV and no modifier DCV. Yeah, let's see. It's God, actually. Okay, so, all right, actually, I take that slightly back. You're going to need to do a successful attack roll to grab the gun. Then you're going to have a strength contact contest to pull it out of his grasp. Okay. Because of disarm, you are going to be at minus two OCV on on this one. But let's go for it. Which one do you want to go first? He's got kind of like the Gatling-ish thing on his back. He's got his lightning gun that he's holding. The lightning, let's see. Um... I think I want the regular Gatling gun that that just like kills people. Regular guns are the worst. So I'm going to go for that first. And I do have plus six with grabbing in addition to my regular OCV. Oh, excellent. Uh, It is a tentacle grab combat skill. So I, I mean, maybe I assume it applies to disarm since I'm trying to grab something. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. No, that totally works. So yeah. Okay. So why don't you why don't you roll okay. to see if you hit? Okay, that's three d six, and uh, that is a fourteen. That is OCV minus one for a grab. So we're modifying it with six plus six because I'm good at grabbing things. Okay, let's 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 go through this this math. So what is the what is the OCV on your sheet? The OCV on my sheet is is seven. Okay, and then so. You can get an extra six because it's a grab. That's correct. It goes to 13 minus one because we're doing a grab Mm -hmm. down to 12. Then we add 11 to that. So we're now up to 23. And now we subtract 14 from that number. So that gives us a nine. Champions. Champions. (laughs) All right. Well, Johnny's DCV is a four. And actually, you know, he's kind of surprised by this one. So we're having that down to a two. So you get a hold of that lightning gun and you're attempting to pull it I, out. I wanted of, the Gatling gun first. Oh, you sorry, Gatling gun. Mm-hmm. And you want to pull it off of him. So this is just kind of on his back. So he's not going to be able to really do a strength contest on this one. I'm just going to need you to do a strength roll to see if, I, I think if you can just sort of snap this, uh, snap the strap on this. Okay. The way we're going to do this is you're going to roll some amount of your strength dice and we're going to look and see how much body damage you do and if you do enough that will snap this strap so i'm going to say this strap is has uh two def- two physical defense and uh two body so it says here that my 20 strength gives me 46 of hand to hand damage so they be rolling 3d6 or 46 uh roll 4 okay just alice just doesn't think guns belong in aquariums Ooh. Oh. No, that was pretty good. Oh, oh, this is a damage roll. I want to roll high. Yes. Yeah. So so the amount of body so you rolled a six, a five, a three, and a two. And so if you were trying to stun someone or knock them out, we would add those up and it would be sixteen damage. Because we're trying to like physically hurt a thing, we're gonna do what's called 
body damage. And the way we do that is we look at how many dice you rolled, subtract any ones, and then add any sixes. So you rolled four dice and you got a six. That's five body damage. And given that the strap had a defense of two and its own sort of body of two, uh, that absolutely snaps the strap. And the weapon, you pull it off of him and it goes it goes flying back, flying back towards you. What are you going to do with it? With with the gun? Yeah. Um, You've snapped it off. It's, I, it's got some momentum. You had to okay, really yeah. get a good tug. No, there. I would like no one to be shot with a, a repeating firearm. So I am going to stick it into one of the trash pouch receptacles on the sides of the tank, which aquarium workers use for disposing of things. It, it's that way it's not going to float around and bop my sea turtle friend on the nose. Uh, it will fill with water and become inoperable unless it's a special waterproof Gatling gun, which I don't even know if they make. But I'm going to stuff it in the trash pouch on the side of the tank. Excellent. All right. One gun down. Okay. Uh, this next one's going to be harder because let me tell you, he's uh, he's going to be holding on tight to this one. So why don't you roll another attack? This is more limbs, more stretched out limbs. Oh, yeah. Pulling at the gun. Mm-hmm. And I am leaning into it, and I am quite visible. The party goers will see that there's someone who looks like they're part anemone and uh, part girl popping out of the tank to defend them against this gun-happy jerk. Okay, that is a nine. Okay, so... Nine on the dice. I don't know what it turns into once we, like, do some calculus. I, I believe we were right. 23 is your is the, the OCV at the end of it. And so subtracting nine means you're going to hit anything that has a DCV of 14 or less. And let me tell you, Johnny's gun is less than that. So you have gotten like, is this like tentacles wrapped around his like arm? Like what is, what are we looking like as this grapple starts? What we see is three different hands shooting out of the tank as I surface. And the hands are going for different parts of Johnny, one to his back, and we saw what happened with that. One, and these are gloved hands, uh, one to his lightning gun arm hand, which I think is in his, that's in his armored arm, right? Uh, he, he's holding that in two, in two arms, actually. Oh, okay, well, it's, it's that one's going to the gun. And then the third hand is going to his uh, bare upper arm. Uh, to okay. just grab him on the upper arm. All right. So now we're going to do a strength contest as you try to pull that cool lightning gun away from him. Guns are just so, not. Yeah. Okay. Since okay. you are taking the action, you're going to roll this first. Okay. So it's 3d6 and we're going to compare it to your, your strength score. Okay. My strength value is 20. Okay. What's the roll uh, thing for that? 13. Okay. So you have succeeded by four. Okay. And so that means that... That essentially reduces Johnny's, his score by four. And so he's now going to, normally he would have to roll under 14. Now he's going to have to roll under 10. Mm-hmm. And, oh, he gets an 11. Do I roll? So, do, do, I, uh, do I roll or? No, oh. you've, you have succeeded in, in grabbing the gun here and you have pulled that away. Okay. Uh, that is an electricity generating device. So I do not want that in my tank. Can I smush it and still grab him with my third hand? I think if you want to try to do smushing stuff, that's going to be on another phase. I'm just going to hang on to it for now. 
Okay, so you're sort of holding this out of the water. Yeah. All right. Now, the last thing then is that is that tentacle to try to do some of your neurotoxin damage. No, it's not a, it's not a tentacle. My my Only oh, one sorry, of my six is... arms is a tentacle, and that one's still okay. in the water. I don't like using that one because it freaks people out. This is just uh, my third hand, and it's okay. ungloved, so that's going to do my neurotoxins if I All right, if just, I just going for that grab then. Yeah, okay, so that's another grab roll, isn't it? It is. Okay. Uh, so this is, you've got minus one OCV on this one. That's 10. And so I, <laughs> as I remember that, Ian's just kind of nodding. I, I think, I think as we remember from, from where the math was, he is still technically surprised on this. Yes. You have grabbed a hold of Johnny Three Guns. And that means that he is now in contact with that damage shield, as they call it in Champions, of your neurotoxin. How does that work? So we actually talked about whether it was a damage shield uh, when Anemone was being created, and we decided it was it was a hand-to-hand attack with a non-selective area of effect. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, that is 66 All right. of, I suppose, stun damage, and I'm going to roll that, right? Yeah. So let's see what happens to this dude. He's just, you know, bringing guns into the aquarium. Just don't. Just, just dude, don't do that. That's not a great roll. <laughs> yeah, so you got a you got a fifteen on that one. I'm assuming that Johnny isn't especially susceptible to or uh, immune to neurotoxins. Well, so at this point, damage is damage. Okay. So he has a uh, physical defense of fifteen. Oh. And so that is going to uh, absolutely negate that. I have done no things to him. Well, He's, I've taken his guns. You've taken his guns. <laughs> Two out of three, apparently. So I think you know. I, I I think you 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 grab him, and you know, in kind of the way we're playing, I, there's not. I think we don't necessarily have. I have not. Well, let's see. In hero system, I'm sure that I could absolutely make the right allowances for damn for protection on different parts of his body. But even though you grabbed his bare arm, he does have enough uh, physical uh, defense that that the neurotoxin is just it's just not hitting yet. He's taken a lot of drugs. So just the overall susceptibility to things is um, it's been dulled, I think. He does have a right to bare arms. <sighs> I'm going to edit that one out. <laughs> <laughs> That's your turn. And you have done some things, so you will need to to spend some endurance on that. Spend the endurance on that hand-to-hand attack, and you did use your strength, so spend your endurance mount for the strength. Okay. Looks like that is two endurance for strength, plus- That sounds right. Do I spend then spend one more just because I did another thing? Uh, so your that hand-to-hand attack that was the neurotoxin yeah. should have an endurance amount listed next to it. It has none because it is always on. My, uh-huh. It is is an always-on, constant, reduced hand endurance hand effect. I actually bought that it doesn't cost any endurance. Oh, well, so then, then that is a damage shield. Okay. So that's, by, right, by the act of touching someone. Yeah. That does. Okay. So I think then sort of retconning then that was that was a grab. Like you're hold are you still holding on to him? Yeah. All right. So as long as you're making contact with him, yeah. we're gonna be rolling that attack until he breaks contact every one of your phases. Okay. It's gonna be how that works. So I have used two endurance to do my strength thing and therefore have eighteen left and have not used any additional endurance to grab and touch his bare arm because my neurotoxins happen through my skin without trying and i wish it weren't like that because you know someday i'd like to kiss someone but this is not that day probably not johnny three guns either definitely not i mean for many reasons many reasons 
All right. I'm just sort of taking a, a pause here as I flip through. Assuming the grabber holds on, the grabber and victim are now at half DC. The grabber is full OCV against the victim, and the victim is negative three OCV against the grabber. Both are half OCV against other targets. Makes sense. So, Anemone, just kind of as so we can set things for the grab. You are you're grabbing and holding on. Yeah. Okay. So the two of you are going to be kind of grappling as as we get into this a little bit, mm -hmm. which means that you're going to be easy targets if anyone else is trying to mm -hmm. do stuff to you. But um, you know, within the two of you, it's it's going to be different numbers that are listed mm -hmm. in the rules. My my fractions. My goal next round is I would like to pull him towards or even into the water on the theory that he's pretty bad at operating in water. But of course, he's not there yeah, yet. Yeah, we'll see how that works. Okay. So next on the list is the hench. Dude. So this is around you, human slingshot. He's... <laughs> so first of all, do you have any modifiers that are already taken into account the fact that you are going to be very hard to hit with Pulse rifle blasts. Yes, I receive a flat plus eight to my defensive combat value while I am minimized. Furthermore, he is also at a minus eight to perceive me. Yeah, so I think that's part one, right? <laughs> For all he knows, he may have actually tripped. It's, I, I think, yeah, well, I think you feel the tug, to yeah. be honest. I think, yeah. Um, and on top of that, he is prone. So in order to actually stand up, he is going to have to take... Um, something <laughs> part of the sort of theory behind team up moves is that we do want to play these games pretty close to as written because we want this to be like, this is what the game is, not the way this is the way GMs might hand wave things for an actual play. And I am absolutely going to look up precisely what one needs to do to stand themselves up. Unless actually he's going to try to shoot you from the ground, which I mean, maybe it is. That is a solid hench move, actually. That's why we call the podcast hench moves. <laughs> we don't call it that. We will never call it that. Prone target. Oh, wait. So it's, I, can, I can look at knockdown, right? So that. Uh-huh. You must spend knockdown. a half phase to get to your feet. Here it is on page 86 of the Hero System Rulebook, Volume 2. All right. And that's another thing that, that we did not point out, is that you get one action per phase, except most actions cost half an action. <laughs> the detail about an attack is that an attack is half an action, but it does end your phase. So in this game, you can't attack, then move, or kind of do those hijinks that lead people to add, you know, um, disengage attack of opportunity stuff. So once you attack, you can't move after that. So I think that he's going to spend his first half action. I, I think that like there is a sense of something on the ground and certainly from immediate, he can tell that there is no person sized person who got him to the ground. So I think he's going to get up into more of a crouch and look around. And so he's going to do a perception check to see if he can see you. Right. And so you get a bonus on this one. He has a minus eight to his perception. And if I'm remembering perception correctly, he rolls it against my stealth. I feel like you didn't explicitly hide. So I think that this is. Right. I, I stealthed maybe... up to him, but he's actively searching for me now, which just makes it a regular perception roll. I, th I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, his perception is 11 minus, and you say you get an eight bonus? He takes a minus eight. That's correct. Okay, so he's got to be under three or less on these dice. Okay, he rolled a 12. <laughs> <laughs> so he can't see you. That does not stop him from just 
shooting around at the ground. So I think that is that is happening. I think he's just firing into the carpet. And I don't think we need to pull any like maybe it accidentally hits you kind of thing. He's probably even facing the wrong direction, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but just full hench freak out is is what's going on in this panel. Full hench freak out is my new indie rock band. Finally, we get to Johnny Three Guns, who is now grappling with Anemone. And he's certainly like super pissed about the whole took his guns. So I think he's going to try to yank you out of the pool. Okay. How does that work? (laughs) You wonder, don't you? So he has to grab you back. So if you think about this, so you've got your arm on him. He's going to have to grab that arm and pull it back. So he's got to do a an attack. Okay. And he's at he's at reduced OCV because he is attempting to attack the person who is grappling him. I believe when you read off the side effects of being grappled earlier. Yeah. So the victim is minus three OCV against the grabber <laughs> because I'm I've got a hold of part of his anatomy, so he can't. He's only got two arms and one of them I'm attached to. So he can only use the other one to. Exactly. Okay. So his OCV then is three on this one. Then we're going to bring that up to a 14 and then subtract the following number, which is a 10. So that's a four to to try to hit. It appears that there is no modifier for the grab or grabber with their DCV against each other. So, Anemone, what is your DCV? Uh, My DCV appears to be lost that blister of paper. No, it's five. It's five. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, in the flailing and, to be honest, low-level pain, you know, maybe not enough to kind of register mechanically, but he is trying to grab at you, and you've got these weird extended noodle arms, and it's just like he's missing that. Yep. Cool. That ends segment 12. We are now in the post- segment 12 recovery phase. So everyone gets to recover endurance and stun based on your recovery value. So none of you took any stun, but you do get to get some of that endurance back. So if my recovery is 15 for a base of, if my recovery is 15, how many points do I get back at the end of the turn? You get 15 back. So the the math on this one is blessedly easy. So I'm at my top endurance. Uh, But it does go up to whatever your max, your max endurance. There's no need to consult the recovery chart for this. uh... (laughs) We'll see if someone finally starts getting some damage through. Okay. We are now going to start at the top of the order again with segment one. Now, no one is going on segment one, and our mystery individual is holding her action until she can kind of see what's what. And certainly there's that commotion at the pool and probably a lot of splashes. No one can really tell what's happening with the human slingshot, so she is still biding her time. Which brings us to segment two. Human slingshot, you get to act on this one, and you're actually the only person acting now. Right. Quick question. Sure. If Hypothetically, if I were to suddenly become 16 meters tall, 8 meters wide, and weigh roughly uh, 20,000 kilograms... <laughs> 
Would that disrupt the operations of the inside of this aquarium in a negative way? So I mapped this out. So 16 meters is 52 feet, five and seven eighths inches. That's definitely more than the height of the ceiling. Too big is what Alice you're saying. Alice will we're hate s- you forever. You, do we're not saying even, you can't imagine how many sea creatures' lives you're going to disrupt if you do that. Do not do this. I'm going to go like 20, 30 feet ceiling max. You know, there's, there's a scaffolding and that kind of thing up there. Now, that being said, you can be, you don't have to be standing, right? Right. If you want to be. I think the secondary problem is the tremendous weight of becoming this big. And I can't imagine that there is a surface inside the 10th floor of this aquarium built for that kind of load. I don't think so. Now, again, there is a bajillion gallon water tank, but the load of that is certainly much going to be much lower to the ground. At, at this height, yeah, you would. I'd break would some be stuff. Uh, you'd break some stuff, I think. Yeah. All right. So it looks like growing larger is off the table, unless we can somehow get these fellers outside, which doesn't seem too plausible considering the difficulties we had to go through to get inside. I think what I'm going to do is release my shrinking power. So I revert to normal size, which comes with no momentum change. Okay. And I am going to make an attack on this henchman with the intention of next phase, my next phase that I act on, shrinking again to get that burst of momentum. So I think I'm going to go for a disarm as well to get this guy's photon blaster out of his hands. And I'm going to say that kind of given his half crouch just firing at the ground kind of thing he's got yeah he's probably not he's not going to do anything special to try to stop you okay here it looks like disarm target it puts me at a minus two ocv uh meaning my ocv is now nine and then it also requires a strength versus strength roll so i'm gonna roll 3d6 let's get that attack against the hench for a 12, that means against a DCV of 8, I will hit. You got the gun. Now it's time to pull. So I'm going to go... Now I make a strength roll. My strength is 15, which means my target number is 12 or lower. Uh, I tried to roll 3SX. That's not right. I got a 10. So I beat my strength target by 2. Okay. So his strength roll is normally a 12. So he's got to beat a 10. Oh. And he got a 10 exactly. Okay. So I, I make a pull for the gun, we, sh- we shuffle, and he pushes me back and holds onto it. Uh, and that is the end of, that is my attacks, so that's the end of my, my phase. I'm actually reading over the defend stuff, and it's unclear actually whether you do a traditional strength versus strength, or if we do this body comparison thing. And what? I'm just going to go with, this is a traditional strength versus strength. <laughs> so he's got his blaster, your normal size. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Using disarm, if the attack roll succeeds, the two characters engage in a strength versus strength contest. Right, Each rolls 1d6 per five points of strength and counts the normal damage body. If the attacker's body is higher or the roll ties, the disarm succeeds. Oh, so I do succeed on ties here. But this is also this is for the body versus body version. Uh, this is on page 60 of volume two. So what we're kind of looking at here is that the rules state that it is a strength versus strength contest. And there is a procedure for when you do skill contests. However, that procedure does not take into account the body of any of these roles, which the rules are now starting to mention as relevant in this situation. All right, we can go with with uh, just the skill contest we've just done, but it's interesting to know that there are like two types of skill contests, one for combat and one for skills. Truly, every angle has been covered in this game. Confusingly, but it's been covered. 
So now looking at the body, it is tied. As a matter of fact, we rolled, you rolled the same amount. Uh, we, the, we both rolled the exact same dice. And in this paragraph, it does say, if the rolls tie, the target's weapon or object goes flying 1d6 plus one meters in the direction of the strike, which seems kind of fun. Yeah. Okay. That is cool. <laughs> so we're going to roll 1d6 plus one. And so it now goes three meters away, clattering across the floor. So you have temporarily disarmed the hench. So as as critical as we have just been of the way this works, it is cool that there is a built-in weapon goes flying system. That's like a classic thing. Like that absolutely needs to happen. Yes. And I love it. Yes. Next up, our mystery individual is going to go. And she's got kind of a combined attack. And it made <laughs> future Fiona get ready to edit out some silence. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. I do not envy future Fiona on this one. It's luckily the computer can can pull most of the silence out itself. Okay, let's also talk about how your awesome player is to like put up with this very pedantic run through. I mean, my sense is that that Ian just pretty much does this all the time. This is this is great fun for me. <laughs> for me, this is like the extremely slow mo parts of action movies Mm -hmm. where you see every bit of the martial arts or of the weapon use and what lasts one second for the characters can last several minutes for the moviegoers. Well, honestly, I think what we're seeing here is that this system is accurately even predicting the phenomenon of decompression in superhero (laughs) comics. I think you're right. And since I want everything to be a Claremont comic, I am not naturalized to that. But I think you're right. I would even argue that contemporary superhero comics are undecompressing themselves. All right. The final thing I need to do is that uh, the template that I printed these out from uh, did not include the mental combat values. So I need to write them down for this character because she's about to perform some telepathy. And human slingshot, make sure you have your mental defensive combat value ready. This was quite intentionally my dump stat. So we'll see if this goes horribly wrong in a moment. (laughs) Yeah. And I definitely put this in both because A, I was just reading Die by Karen Gillan et al. And B, because this is a part, I mean, this is kind of a part of the system that I want to sort of show off here. Mm -hmm. Uh, So her offensive mental combat value is a nine. And her defensive is a six, but I don't think uh, she's going to have to worry about that one. No. Okay. So the first thing we are going to roll is a little bit of telepathy. And so the way this works is she is going to roll to do a mental attack. And then if that succeeds, is going to do an attack against human slingshots, mental defense. And if that succeeds, then he's going to start hearing some talking in his brain. We're going to start with that nine offensive mental combat value at 11 to bring it up to 20. And then I'm going to subtract 3d6. Ooh. So uh, I'm hitting a, a 13 mental defense or lower. Well, Human slingshot, how's your brain? Well, my, my DMCV, which is also where I need to go to update my license, uh, is a three. <laughs> so... You have you have certainly penetrated my formidable mental barriers. Oh, no. Okay, so she has she can roll up to eight d six in order to actually make this mental connection. 
she can roll less and use less endurance. And I think that's probably the way to do it. She's going to roll 2d6. <laughs> well, you know, let me do four just because, you know, she doesn't know that you don't have any mental defenses. Okay, so that's a 20. What's your mental defense? I have OMCV, DMCV. I have PD. I have ED. What is mental defense? Is that ego? Is that... Uh, no, it's just a, it's, it's one of the stats it's under listed under your defenses down in the bottom of the center column. Oh, okay. Let me look at my, I think if you have not bought any specifically, I don't know that I thought OMCV was offensive mental combat value and DMCV was defensive mental combat value. Sure. But those are the two hit armor class sort of equivalents. This is the soak. I don't believe. Well, it starts at zero. So yeah, mental defense is zero. That's right. Okay. All right. I've purchased zero mental defenses. Well, lucky for you, she only does this for communication. Yeah, well. (laughs) So we're just going to know that 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 line of communication is open as I make the next roll. So this next one is, I think, a kind of a cool highlight of, again, of the hero system, the way that you're able to take the powers and then do things to them in ways that sort of change the math, change the costs. Normally to drain someone's powers, that is like a physical kind of action. But I was able to put the points in the right places and buy the right things so that this character can do drains with her brain. Brain drain. And I'm going to roll another mental attack against you, human slingshot. I'm sure this will turn out Much better than the last one. Okay, so she's starting at that base of 20 and subtracting 12. So just an eight. But again, that mental defense? Three. Mental combat value, excuse me. Defensive mental combat value is a three. This hits, and now she gets to roll to see how strongly she's able to affect you. By the way, do you have any power defense, human slingshot? Power defense? I'm going to be honest. I didn't even know power defense was a stat. So the answer to that one is no. I have zero power defense. Well, so she is going to pour all of her endurance, uh, or at least the the 14 endurance points that this costs. So, you know, she's, you know, her brain's just just concentrating, maybe a little bit of a, like, you know, narrowed eyes or whatever, some stress here to to pull this one off, as she is going to roll 8d6. Oof. And that is a 27. And with that 27, she is going to subtract... 27 CP character points character points from your shrinkiness ability okay what is your shrinkiness ability normally like how much did that cost you well it's time for things to get even more complicated excellent you see in order to build the shrinkiness ability that also had this required burst of momentum attached to it I linked it to several other powers So just the shrinking portion of this linked power is 16 character points, real, real cost character points, because it's attached with several disadvantages, including a two point leak power, a 30 point hand to hand attack power and a 15 point invisibility power. So does she just take the shrinkiness? That's only 16 points, but it's only cost 16 because of the disadvantages. I believe its flat cost is 24 if she just wants to shrink with no momentum, no other abilities. Okay. Well, she had a 27. So I think that this seems like big picture enough that narratively we can say this is happening. So now, okay, we just did 12 minutes of mechanics. Let's go on to like what's actually happening and sort of the panels. So you hear a voice in your head, human slingshot, and it says, 
Ah, so that's what's been jumping around and upsetting things. Well, I don't think you remember how to get small right now. And that's her turning off your shrinking power. Okay. But she's got that telepathic link, and she says, now hear me out. I can uh, maybe release you from that, but you're going to have to help me out with a little thing. You're able to talk back, thinking through your brain. All right, the human slingshot simply simply doesn't understand that, <laughs> that, that I cannot shrink. Uh, and I'll say, it'll take more than that to get me to comply, villain. <laughs> oh, yeah? And, and I say it out loud. <laughs> I do not think it mentally backwards. Okay, she says, shh, 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 shh. This only has to be between us. No, really. Think, what would it take to get smaller? You don't remember right now, do you? <laughs> and like, I think, you know, you sort of do the yeah. like, you know, your brain goes a little bit ahead and it's like, oh no, actually you don't remember. And you know you can do it. You're just not sure how. Right. Okay. Uh, I freak out a little. The human slingshot sort of goes, uh, <laughs> it'll come back to me. Yeah. She says, yeah, no, no, no. Look, let me level with you. What can I call you? The human slingshot. Now, what is your what is your actual name? Derek Robel. Yeah, she's in your brain. I think she can. <laughs> she, she knows can tell that. <laughs> mm-hmm. She says, "Well, Derek, you can call me Alexandra." And I'm kind of. I came in with these guys, but let me tell you, this isn't really the crew I want to be leaving with. I want out, and I want you and your fishy friends to provide a little cover for me. Listen, if you want out, the best way forward is to turn yourself in. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Only I need to make sure that no one knows that I'm turning myself in. That's that's not how turning yourself in works. <laughs> that's just running away. Look, idiot. I'll take a knee for you, and you can escort me out of here in whatever handcuffs you got. But it's got to look like I put up a fight and you took me down. Ooh. Um... I mean, listen, that's fine as long as you don't interfere in the apprehension of these criminals. Yeah, screw those guys. Okay, can I, uh, can I, can I turn small again? I, I mean, it's a little hard to go big in here, you know? I don't really want to... There's a lot of water and animals. <laughs> Be real messy. She says, in a minute, I just want you to understand what I can do to you. Right, yep. Crystal clear. <laughs> okay, so that's the end of Liar's Turn. Your characters don't know that's her name. Maybe you could talk to Winner about it. It's up to you. But I'm just going to fill that in on the sheet, and then I don't have to be so enigmatic when I discuss her. Okay, we'll leave it there. Come back next week to find out how the pair deals with Johnny Three Guns and this new mysterious mind-controlling villainess. In this run, we've been playing Champions 6th Edition from Hero Games. Find them online at herogames.com. Team Up Moves is a production of Fiona Hopkins and Stephanie Burt, copyright 2022. Follow us on Twitter as at Team Up Moves and individually as at Fiona Wim and at Accommodatingly. Check the show notes for spelling. You can find all of our episodes and drop us an email through our website at teamupmoves.com. Our theme music is Play by Sleepyhead. Find out more of their music and their new album at sleepyheadrockband.com. And remember... We're a new show. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to help us grow. Take care, pals.